God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. And from Genesis 2, 15, 19 through 20, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. This is the word of the Lord. Before you're seated, I would like to introduce the question of the day, which is, where is your favorite place to enjoy creation? Me, personally, I like areas like the beach, just kind of being in the natural elements and everything. So you can decide how that communicates to you with the people around you. Thank you. Well, I, I hate to break up the fellowship, but I, I'm going to try. B be sure to resume right where you're left off when the service, when the sermon is, is over. Uh, Dimitri Carreno is going to be drawing for us something in keeping with this so you can watch, but hopefully you'll also listen. Um, this is our Father's world. And, and I've had the, the privilege of, of living in a lot of the parts of our father's world. And I've loved each one of them. Every place I've ever lived, for some reason, it just got really into my heart. I've seen beauty in each place that God has put me. But then I've also seen some things that are not so beautiful. I'll just show you a few things from right here in the United States. I think most of you knew I grew up a little town in the Appalachian Mountains of West Virginia. Uh, a lot of so much beauty that is there. I'll, I'll show you one picture here. This is really near my home, the New River Gorge. I used to raft ride on that. Um, there's a Dairy Queen not far. <laughs> uh, it's really close. If you've seen this great movie, uh, Hidden Figures, to where uh, Catherine Goble Johnson is from, really close to there. See the movie too. Threw that in as a plug. But uh, 
because of some decisions that are made uh, in, in recent decades of trying to get at the coal that is in those mountains, to get it more cheaply, what's been done so often is just with dynamite blowing the tops off of the mountains to get at the coal, and it's left many areas looking like this second picture, uh, scarred, not quite the same beauty. Uh, when I was 18, I graduated from Bluefield High School. I went out to Chicago, a very different place, and I fell in love with Chicago. I know it's cold, but it is a beautiful city. So I have a great picture of it here from Lake Michigan, looking over the skyline of the city of Chicago. You can't see it all there, you see, uh, but there are these wonderful parks, Millennial Park and Grant Park and Lincoln Park, and there's that beautiful architecture. Do you see that? I mean, it, it, it's, I loved it there. And yet, Chicago didn't always look like that because of the uh, climate change, because of polluting elements. So often it looks more like this second picture that I have for you. You just see the difference. Of course, now I have this privilege together with Chris to live here in the Los Angeles area. And truthfully, I love it here more than any place I have ever lived in my life. It's uh, such a wonderful thing. I have a picture here coming out of L.A. looking up toward our wonderful San Gabriel Mountains. It is such a wonderful place where God has put us. Every time we drive up toward our home, Chris says, those are my mountains. She knows they're God's mountains, but she just loves them so, so much. But you know, even they do not always look like that because of uh, fires, because of pollution, because of so many things. So often the second picture is what we uh, really see. Now, all of this brings us, believe it or not, to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, if you weren't here last week, I told everybody how much I love this opening chapter of Genesis in which God tells us about uh, his creation of all that is. Uh, I told you, I almost feel like God himself is thrilled as at the end of each day of the six days of creation, it's like he stops and he takes a snapshot of it. And he said, that's what I did on that day. It's good, he keeps saying, and I made it. It is such a joy-filled thing. And today we come to the sixth day, the middle of the sixth day. And that is a day in which God did something very, very special. He made human beings. So I want us to think for just a moment about what the Bible teaches us in that opening chapter about us being human. And in verse 27, you already heard Glory read it for us so well. God created humankind in his image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So, you know, you've heard me speak so often, especially on like Sanctity of Life Sundays, about human life, we have something sacred about us. That, that notion is rooted right here in Genesis 1, 26 to 31. And the very way that God inspired this to be written highlights that there is something very special about human life. If you were here last week, uh, Matt Barnes pointed out that when you read Genesis 1, there is this sort of rhythmic cadence showing the order of the way that God has made things. I'll just remind you of it. You read it through in those first days, and it will say over and over again, and God said, let there be, and there was, and it was good. There is evening, and there is morning. And God said, let there be, and there was. It goes like that. It's so easy to remember. You get that cadence and you get that rhythm so that when you get to the middle of the sixth day, 
You're pretty sure it's going to happen like that again. And God said, let there be. And it starts in that way. And God said, but then it stops. It breaks. It's different. You know what it feels like to me? I, I've done so many weddings as a pastor. It's like when you have a wedding here and, and the bridesmaids are all coming to the same music and so you, you get, get used to that music being played. And after the last one is here, the music changes. It often stops. New music comes. And you know that the thing is about to begin. <laughs> and it's all about that bride coming forward to meet her uh, new husband. And in the same way, God stops for a few moments. And he's going to do something different, something very special. And what he does is, and God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness. And it is so important to God that we not miss this, that he says it twice, both in verse 26 and in verse 27, that he has made us in his image and in his likeness. When you go home today, I want you always to know this that whatever is happening in your life, you are specially made by God. You are created, crafted in his very image. Nothing else in creation is like what God made when he made us as human beings. Which brings that big question, the second one I want to ask, then what on earth does the Bible mean when it says you and I are made in the image of God? <clears throat> All right, this is one of his family days. You're not going to let me talk very long about this, I know. But you know there have been thousands and thousands of pages written about what it means to be made in the image of God. There are hundreds and hundreds of hours of sermons that have been preached and lectures given about this. In fact, one of my really close friends, a professor at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, a good place, his name is Dr. John Kilner, has just published a new book. I'm going to show it to you. We don't have it back at the book table. We do not. But you can get it if you would like to get it. It's, it's, uh, its name, his name is John Kilner, and the title is there, Dignity and Destiny, Humanity in the Image of God. It's 414 pages. I won't read it all to you today, just <laughs> to let you know, but I really highly recommend it to you. But I want to boil it down. Just boil it down. What, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? And usually God's people have highlighted three big categories. They're, they're connected to one another. And they all start with R, to reflect, to represent, and to relate. To reflect. When God made you and me in his image, he made us to reflect to the rest of, the, of creation what he himself is like. Now, to sort of get a, an idea of this, when kings in the ancient world would conquer a nation... They would often leave statues behind that look like them. You can still find some of them in, in museums because they would, be rep they would reflect to the people that there is a king over this place who exists, and you better not forget it. And then many times the, the other ancient religions would have people carve these statues of what they thought their gods looked like so that they could remember them and worship them. Well, we don't see God. God is spiritual. But God is, has, has created his own image. He tells us not to make anything in this world into an image of God. Second command, right? But God has created his own image. His image is not a living thing that we worship. His image is a living being. You and I are in the image of God to reflect something about God to all the rest of creation. We are to glorify God. That's what that word means. 
reflect to the world the ways of God. What else does it mean? It means we're supposed to represent God in the world that he made. So here, here again, kings, they take over a nation. Kings couldn't be in every nation that they took over, so they would send somebody to represent them. Uh, the word was shaliak uh, in, in Hebrew. You don't have to remember that word, but it still sounds good, doesn't it? A shaliak is a person who represented the king. That shaliak would be specially chosen because the king felt like that that shaliak would have the wisdom and the ability and the faithfulness to the king to represent him well. Well, I'll tell you, God has placed us here in the same way to represent him well, to, to live in such a way that we reflect and represent the, his, his care, his love. The decisions that we make would be specifically the kind of decisions that those who represent their God should make. We are to reflect the ways of God to the world. We are to represent God in the world. And third, we're able to relate as people made in God's image to God and to one another and to the rest of the world in ways that also represent God well. Um, verse 26, there's this little phrase that it's, so many people have debated about how the one God in verse 26 then will use a plural pronoun for himself. One God saying, let us, let us make human beings in our image. I won't even go over with you all the ways people have debated about what that means, but I'll tell you at least this. It means that the God that we worship has always been relational. Uh, I, I'm not sure how much Moses understood about what the rest of the Bible would reveal about that, that now we know that God is one God who's always existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What it means is that God has never been alone or isolated or lonely. God is, by his very being, is a relational God. And you see it when you get to Genesis 2. We see God walking and talking with people. And you and I are made for that. Uh, we see him when he looked at Adam. And Adam was, before Eve was created that day, he looked at Adam and said, there's one thing not good yet. It's not good for a man to be alone because he's made in God's image, in my image. And I've never been alone. God has always had a son, a spirit, to engage in a, a relationship of love with. When you put those three points together, that we reflect the ways of God, we represent God to the world, we're able to relate to God and to the rest of the world the way God does, then what we want to focus on in the rest of the message can make some sense to you. That after he made us in his image, he blessed us and said, let them rule and subdue the rest of what I've made. All right, so what does God mean when he says that? So that we may rule and subdue. The, the word for subdue is the kind of word that would be used when the, uh, your plants in your garden get out of control and you're able to cut them back. It's to keep them from growing in a way that is out of control and keeps other things from living. It's an ability that you and I have in our lives. The word for rule in Hebrew is rada. Um, it, was, it was the word that was used for, what, for the king giving authority to his representative, that shaliak. He would say, go there, but you've got to rule in a way that is consistent with my own character and my own ways. 
So when you think about it, what God is really saying is this. When he tells us to rule, it's not the way that many people have tried to understand it. I think that that verse has often been completely misused and misunderstood. We say, oh, I'm supposed to rule and subdue. That means I can do anything with the rest of creation that I want. I can abuse it. I can destroy it. The opposite is the case. We're to care for this world as God cares for the world. Well, actually, you and I should use the authority God has given us to do so many things to care for and maintain the world the way that God cares for you and me. It does not mean to dominate or to domineer. It says, listen, what I've made is good. You have the ability made in my image to continue to make it good, even to make it more beautiful. So it's really saying just as God uses his authority to bring blessing to you and me, we should use the abilities that we have to live in this world to bring blessing to the rest of the world. That's what God does. That's what we made in his image should do. Does this make, does this make any sense to you? We're not the owners of this world. God is. We're just stewards of what God has given us. It's a gift to us. Uh, so what is it like that he's telling us, take care of it? The best illustration I could think of. I think we can all understand this. Um, Students in college, if you live in a dorm room, sometimes you have plants in your dorm room and you're gone for a while and you ask the person across the hall to water the plants, you know, take care of it. Um, or in a, an apartment or in one of our homes. We do this often when Chris and I have to travel. We ask someone to stay there in the home. Have you ever had that done? Have you ever done it or had that done? And so we, we always say, no, everything here in the house you can use. You're free to use that. The food in the fridge, you can eat it. <laughs> the television, you can watch it. Oh, I suppose you can use the hot water and take a bath. That'll be okay. <laughs> but we expect people then also to take care of the place, to keep it tidy, and if something goes wrong, to try to make it right, and to water the plants, and to take care of the dog. We have a dog, right? So then when you come back into the house, what happens if you've gone away? And when you walk in, the first thing, you smell this awful aroma because not only did they take the food out of the refrigerator, they just threw it all over the place and just let it there to rot. You're disappointed, right? Anybody disappointed with me here? But it's even worse if you walk in and you see some of those things that you really tremendously value having been broken, destroyed, and maybe even stolen. You find that the water, the plants haven't been watered at all, and you even find out that the dog is dead. What, what do you think then? <laughs> I'll tell you, the story of the Bible is that the God who made the world made it and said, it's good. And then at the apex, the height of his creation, he made human beings. He gave us the ability and the calling to take care of what he had made. But then the story comes in Genesis 3. People walked away from God, living for themselves instead of living the way God has made us to live, and it's affected everything. And one of the worst effects is that when we didn't obey our mandate to care for the rest of creation, it has done great damage to the beauty of our Father's world. And we, we see it everywhere. That's why I showed you those pictures. We see it in the climate change. We see it in the pollution. We see it in so many different places. So I'll tell you, when I read Genesis 1, 26 to 31, I just see that God has given to you and me a beautiful world to live in. Do you agree? And he's made it and given it to us so we can enjoy it. He says you have the freedom to use it. But he also calls us to care for it. And in verse 28, he says this ability we have 
to care for the rest of what he has made. He calls it a blessing. That when we actually do it, we are blessed. Uh, as Dimitrik, who's painting over here, made the point to me, it is true that when we care for the world and the, and the water is cleaner, it's better for us to drink clean water rather than dirty and to breathe clean air rather than because we're all connected in this creation that God has made. We have been given the calling, the blessing, and even the, even the dignity of being able to reflect our Father's ways by caring for his world. I'll just tell you so. When a veterinarian or any child sees uh, an animal or a pet and tries to help it be healed or even gives it some water, that's a part of the image of God. Uh, when a landscaper goes out and makes an area, subdues it, makes it more beautiful, or, or any one of us simply cares for our gardens, that's a part of the image of God. And there's joy in it, isn't there? There is joy in it. When a scientist discovers what is in this world and sees sometimes things going wrong and looks for ways to make it whole and clean again, it's part of the image of God in you. It's like God saying, I give you everything on the face of the whole earth. It's yours to eat. It's yours to grow. Chapter 2, it's even yours to name. But then when you get to verse 31, God also says, but remember, when I gave it to you, it was very good. Make sure that it stays very good. Now, there are some of you in our church who are way ahead of me in seeing the world the way that the Bible is calling us to see it. Uh, one of them, and I hope you know him, is Wally Rappel. Wally, are you here somewhere? Oh, right over here. I'm going to ask him at the end to stand here. Do any of you know Wally? I won't ask you to vote on that, but, uh, but he is a blessed part of our church family. Um, I'll tell you a bit about him. He was a longtime developer and advocate of battery electric vehicles. Yes, electric cars. Wally was an undergrad student at Caltech. He built one. And uh, while he was an undergrad student at Caltech, he came to know Jesus as his Savior. What a great thing there as well. We'll have that story told another day. But for many years, he worked over here at JPL NASA. And in 2006, Wally joined Tesla. And you know what's happened there with the electric cars. Wally has always challenged me to look at this text and to think about what God is calling us to do. So I asked him if he would do a video that was put together by Tiffany Castro about what has given him this lifelong commitment to love and care for what our Father has made. So take a look at it here. Shortly after I became a Christian, this was my sophomore year now, I got very interested in electric cars. Now, what prompted that was a couple of things, one of which was a lot of smog. It was very smoggy at the time in Los Angeles. And uh, I had an interest through physics and other things in the technology that would be electric vehicles. I didn't go to electric vehicles at first. I was thinking about fuel cells and other things. I learned a lot of things about power plants, about batteries, about the technology in general. During my time at Caltech, I built an electric car, uh, challenged MIT to a cross-country electric car race. And Caltech won that, by the way, by a little bit. <laughs> But that was really the start of my career at, was at, as a student in, in electric vehicle technology. And I've been working in that area all my life. 
Uh, it's been slow, but electric cars are now becoming reality. Uh, at the time, the issue was air pollution. That was the big thing. And that problem basically was solved, and it was solved without electric cars. A number of technologies came together and enabled the, the conventional gasoline car to be pretty good. Um, we're, we're facing some new issues now. Uh, we faced issues then, and by the way, it was interesting. Back in the, the 60s, not everyone agreed that automobiles were the, the problem. There was people, you know, drove cars, and they didn't want to admit that sure. <laughs> they were part of the problem. Sure. So now we're in a new situation uh, where the, with the climate change, uh, and there's, on one hand, uh, the scientific uh, side that says we've got a problem, and also the science world is giving us potential answers, but there's a lot of, uh, lot of deniers. Well, you know, it's interesting. From the science side, I, I understood the... the the science side, the technical part. Um, from God's word, I saw something very important, uh, and we're looking at that right now. I saw God's love for people, for his creation. And when you, you focus on that love, when you see that, when you read Genesis 1, you will see God's love built in there, uh, that he created this thing, and then as a gift, giving all of this to human beings, with the understanding that we would not only, you know, not damage it, but I, I, think, I think God's idea, purpose, was that we'd even make it better. But we're not doing that, not by a long shot. The environmental gold standard is that we don't damage it, but nobody is really t taking seriously that we could make it better. So from God's word, I see uh, the, the imperative to, uh, if you love God, if you, if you respect God's handiwork, what he's done. You'd want to take care of it. You'd want to also learn about it. Uh, so you'd want to be interested in science. Well, I think there's two things. Read God's word. Science will not give you a direction. It will not give you a purpose. Um, science doesn't answer the whys. It will tell you the facts of nature, which you need. But when you read God's word, you get a purpose. You get the passion behind it. And when those two are brought, brought together, then something really good happens and there's completeness. Now, what do I want you to take home from this passage of God's word today? There, there are several things I've thought of. I'll give them to you right now. One, my prayer is that you might have what would I say, renewed within you, growing within in you, a new and deep love for this world that God has put you in. Amen. For the world that God has created, including its people, the kind of love that God has and that Wally talked about for his world and for you and me. I pray that you'll have a new love, seeing everything that is made as being a part of what your Father has made. Wally, I just see that love radiating through you. I, I'm praying that that happens with all of us. Don't you think... We talk so little about this in church, and I think perhaps because here in the United States, all these political debates about the environment sort of seep in, and we can't even take time to hear what our Father says. He's, he's not calling us to some po political program here. He is calling us simply to taking up our divinely given blessing of representing him in the world. So I, I pray that you'll have a, a new love. Kind of like I said, when God looks at it, he said, that's good, that's, that's very good. 
that you'll have a renewed love seeing every part of the world that you encounter every day as being something your Father has given you. What else? I, I put the second thing this way. I, I'm wanting you to embrace joyfully but also obediently this blessing of creation care that God has mandated. Is that too convoluted a sentence? This is not a suggestion. It's a part of a command that God gives, but it's also a blessing. Because one clear implication of God's word today is that God has given to you and me as his image bearers the ability to have our lives make a difference. But we're made in the image of God. We, we sing this song, God makes everything beautiful out of the dust. Do you like to sing that song? It's one of the ones I love here. But the truth is that so often God does his beautifying work through his image bearers. He uses us, and he can use us to his glory. We have this ability as human beings to take the things that we see that are broken and find ways to bring them back together, get that glue and put it there. <laughs> we have the ability to see something that's become dirty, to make it clean and to make it shine again. But on the other side, we also have this ability as image bearers of God to turn away from God and to abuse things and to do damage. Now, I promised Wally, because we couldn't put all of his uh, video testimony there, that I would tell you the one thing that didn't make it there, and that is the damage that we now see human sin having done to our environment is very serious, and it is very, very significant. So I, I want you to make sure that, that, that you know that, because people over centuries and centuries have not obeyed this divine mandate to care for what our Father has made. But I want to remind you today that it is your divine calling. No, no. It's your blessing to be able to have your life make a difference in this world where God has put you. It's a part of being human. And then the third thing, yeah, thank you, Lord. The third thing I want us to take home is I want all of us to commit ourselves to a way of life in which we daily take steps to care for this world that our Father has given to us. I, I tell you what I think when I, when I even make this point to you. I think, ah, oh, but the problems with the damage in our world are so huge. I showed you some here in the United States, but it's not just here. Every place I've gone, I've gone to Beijing and hardly been able to breathe one day. I've gone to other, you know, I've seen this all over. So you often think, what good can one person or one church ever do? And do you know what I want to say to you about this? You and I are made in the image of God. And what you and I do makes a difference. And again and again in the Bible, it calls us to these small acts of faithfulness. Jesus would use the example about furthering God's ways and kingdoms, being like a seed. He would say, start small, but simply do it in obedience to God, and you'll be amazed at what God will do taking the small things and bringing beauty and growth out of it. So I'm calling us to a way of life of small acts of faithfulness. That's why I put this last sheet in the worship folder uh, to, so that you can just start thinking, what could I do? What could I go into and, and make more beautiful than it is now? What do I see? What small thing perhaps can I see that's become damaged by, by misuse or abuse and begin to bring healing and to bring change. And write that down, and I hope as you leave church today, you'll post those things on these two or three different places we put for that uh, in the worship folder. I, I want to end by telling you this. 
Genesis 1 is so different from the way that we in our world wrestle with issues related to the environment. It's not giving us a comprehensive political policy, is it? But it is giving us a God-directed worldview that can shape the way you and I look at our world and our place in it. Do you see that? God has given you a blessing to have your life make a difference in this world that when he made it, he said, it's really good. <laughs> it is really good. He sends us out to represent him, to reflect his ways, and to relate to him, to one another, and to this world in ways that reflect his glory. Let us make humankind in our own image and let them rule. Let's do it well. Let's do it to his glory. Amen. 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 I'm going to walk over toward Demetric just for a moment. God took six days to create the world. We gave Demetric less than an hour. And so he has six more days. So next week, maybe we can come back and see where you come, Demetric. Demetric, I, on behalf of all of us, am so grateful. It's so hard, I mean, with hundreds of us watching you, to simply hear what the Word of God is saying and then to start creating out of it. It's, but it's a part of the image of God in you. I, I see that creativity in you so often. Tell us a little bit about what, what you're seeing up here, Demetric. Okay. Um. So, uh, I think that um, as the, the earth was being created, uh, we are as much a part of the history of the earth and what it is, and our home is just as much a part of us as we are of it, and that taking care of it means taking care of us as a Christian community, as, as a human race. and. Um, you know, I think uh, that this kind of encapsulates we are the earth and uh, the earth is us, and we have to take good care of ourselves. Thank you, Dimitri. And I'll tell you, as I, thank you, as I look at it, because I think this is really something to think about, we are a part of the world. I mean, there's, there's an interrelationship with all, so I'm, I'm going to keep chewing on that. But as I look at this and I think about my sermon, this looks a lot like my home in West Virginia with the more rounded hills. See what I see? I'm imposing it on the artist here. And this looks like more like I live now. Uh, and in all of those, I'm a part of it. And God gives me the blessing of being a part of it, but also the blessing of making a difference in it. I pray I'll do that to God's glory. Thank you so much. Make sure, I hope we keep working on it next week. If you'd let us, we'd like to have it up so that we can see where you've come between now and then. All right. Thank